Welcome to Canine Hijinks, the podcast for those who want to explore more ways to have fun with their dogs and perhaps discover the wider world of training and dog sports. It may even convert the casual pet owner into a dog sport enthusiast. Join me, Alyssa Looney. And me, Whitney Taylor, as we share our dog training journeys, as well as resources you can use to enhance your life with your canine friends. Welcome to Canine Hijinks. We're back for another exciting episode with special guest Kirsten O'Neill from Alberta, Canada. Kirsten, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Before we give your formal introduction, we like to say what we've been doing with our dogs lately. So uh, since you're new to the group, why don't you tell us what dogs you own, um, a little more about them, and what you've been up to lately. Okay. So I have six dogs currently. Uh, Three are retired, and three are kind of either up and coming or competing. Um, My oldest is Radical Rabbit, a Malinois. She is almost 13. Um, We've been working on some retirement sports, like scent hurdling and obedience. She still plays agility a little bit, but mostly just jumpers. Then I have Posh Piranha. Uh, 10-year-old Parson Russell, who just stopped competing internationally, and we've mostly been doing fly ball and just local agility, just having fun. Uh, And then Crocodile Crunch, my little rescue mix. She is nine, and she retired from international agility because she never really liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it was... I have another 16-inch dog now, so now she gets to stop playing, and she's very happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) She's happy to be a couch dog. Um, But she's doing some other things. We're doing set hurdling as well. She's learning barn hunt, so she's having fun. Then I have Pinnacle Penguin, who is a five-year-old Malinois, just starting competing internationally, but she's also doing fly ball, and we just did our first rally trial. Fun. I know, which I did not prepare for at all. Did you read the signs? I hear you can um, do that. Yes. Yeah. I was also asking lots of questions about what each sign meant and how I could do it. I'm like, how do I sit again? Okay. And I had to teach a come front in the warm-up. Oh. I, I had neglected to teach that. Yeah. Uh, but she did really well. <laughs> and then I have Ballistic Beast, who had just turned two and is a Pumi. She's a bit crazy. Lives up to her name. She just just got onto her first world team. Uh, and last weekend, she did her first Bible tournament. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. So she's learning rally as well. I figured I might as well throw her in the next trial. So we're also just learning to come front now. <laughs> but that's, that's like a lot of preparation I know. compared to last time. I know. She's, but she's also a lot more out of control. So. <laughs> and she also does not know what a sit means. Oh. Yeah, she has a heel, a very nice heel, and she has an automatic sit, but she does not know what the word sit means, so it's been a little harder. (laughs) Uh, And then I have Fanatic Frog, who's just an 11-month-old Picardi Shepherd, and he's, you know, crazy and sensitive and... (laughs) Lanky. Very lanky. Lanky. And doesn't like the wood floors very much. No. Well, yeah, he's a little yeah splitsy. Yeah, <laughs> I think we might have to have a separate episode on how you name your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it. It's a certain amount of syllables. 
and the type of animal has to be the same. You know, it's a, it's a whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> There's an unhappy puppy letting us know that uh, he's very displeased that he has been locked out. Might might have That's to. That's what's up with Leo right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Alyssa, what what have you been doing with your dogs? A few moments later. What have I been doing with my dogs? Well, um, playing agility, of course. Um, all day, we've been doing a seminar this weekend with Kirsten. That's why she's here. It's been a lot of fun. Leo got to play also and actually learned some stuff and didn't bark the whole time. What? So he barely barked at all. He barely barked at all. I was very proud of him. He did four obstacles in a row. Wow. After not even knowing the tunnel beforehand. Um, learned some other things, was pretty focused, so I was really pleased with his effort. And Ale, um, also, I was super happy with her performance. We had a lot of fun. So agility, agility, and also getting the new uh, dog sport facility going, of course. That's like every spare moment of every day is, is that. So it's been a little busy lately. Whitney? Um, agility, but mostly just running dog walk training. So <laughs> I, I am um, in Kirsten's online class, and finally we got some more dry days strung together. So I, and I've been working very hard at trying to figure out some indoor place to train, but getting just some dry days together. We've graduated to the plank. Only We were only on just the platform for like, oh, I don't know, nine months or something <laughs> like that. But she understands quite well. And um, I've been pleased with kind of how she's been progressing on that. So the if we can get a dog walk, then we can get back to competing. So we're doing Yay. some seminar stuff and we've got an ISC trial. But... Mostly just trying to get that dog walk short up. Oh dear. One minute later. Well, the timing for this episode was perfect because we actually got a couple of emails from listeners, which was really exciting, and we hope more of you will email us because that was really fun to see. Oh my word. Leo and Sprite are having a wrestling match currently, so pardon the noise. They need to get some energy out. Uh, we had an email from Rebecca Polly, a loyal listener. She was really excited to hear the episode on comparison. So if you haven't heard that one, I'd suggest you go back and listen to it. She also wanted to talk about being successful in multiple different dog sports and whether that's possible. Can you be possible in one sport and possible in other sports? Have your dog be good at them. And what kind of lessons you might have learned. And so the perfect person to talk to, really, is Kirsten because she has all these different dogs, all these different breeds. She's been in dogs forever and participates in a wide variety of sports. So a little more about Kirsten. As we said, she's from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. She's been training dogs since she was a young kid. Her whole family is basically in dogs. And she really enjoys kind of training the dog in front of her, looking at different breeds. She's been on multiple world teams for agility. And she competes in agility, fly ball, obedience, trick training, disc, dock diving, freestyle, barn hunt, terrier trials, whippet racing, IPO, French ring sport, tracking, rally, scent hurdling. I actually don't know what that is. Confirmation. And she has had multiple dogs in plays, and movies, 
which is also another episode we probably need to make because that sounds really cool. And so we thought, she's here. Let's record a podcast and talk about the idea of competing in multiple sports and whether you can be successful in multiple sports. So welcome again to the podcast. So the first question that Rebecca asked was, can you be successful as a competitor with a fast agility dog in other sports such as fly ball or more subdued sports such as obedience or hunt tests? Based on experience, I would say yes. <laughs> um, I've All my dogs have played fly ball, um, and obviously every one of them has played agility. Uh, pinnacle. Jet. A bit later. Um, pinnacle is my most recent that's been doing both fairly successfully. She is arguably one of the fastest dogs in Canada in agility. Um, if she runs clean, very few dogs can touch her time. She's just incredibly fast. We often run over seven yards per second. Like she's incredibly quick, but also in fly ball, she runs three sixes on a regular basis. Um, two tournaments ago, that was her average. She ran three, six, Oh, three, six, one, three, six, two, every single race, which is pretty fast, very fast. Yeah. yeah. Especially for a Malinois. Um, they're not, you know, they're fast, but they're not typically that fast in fly ball. So um, she's probably also one of the fastest dogs in fly ball for that breed. And she also does agility as well as obedience and uh, rally. We haven't competed in obedience yet, mostly because I don't enjoy doing it. Um, but she's perfectly capable. And we often use our obedience skills to give her an outlet for agility and give her some different exercises to do. I actually find healing is a great way to work on focus and and sometimes even conditioning because she has a very focused and energetic heel. So it's actually uh, been really beneficial in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, healing is really a foundational exercise for getting them to understand that coming to your side is important, right? Yes. We always tend to do perch work with puppies yep. to get them coming, wrapping around to your side and... Um, I have found healing to be kind of fun to work on now. Like, it is. Oh, I can actually walk in any direction I want, and you're going to follow me. <laughs> granted, I'm not going to win any Schutzen prizes or, or obedience healing yeah. prizes or anything, but it is fun. And when you make it fun, the dog enjoys doing it as well, right? When it's not taught as a you have to heal calmly and, you know, exactly. But when you make it a it's fun to be in that exact position and be energetic about it, and we do quick turns and things like that, it also helps them be happier about it. I liked your comment about healing for conditioning because one of the ways I've used healing is um, to get sidestepping. Mm -hmm. For, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times they're always yeah. going front and front and back yeah. with their bodies, but they don't tend to go side to side, and that's yeah. kind of stretching and strength building is good. So that's yeah. one of the things I've and, used. And even for. just pivoting mm -hmm. and going back into a sit, it can be a great way to work some exercises that are very hard to do otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so in your opinion, you don't necessarily have to specialize in one particular sport. No. No, I think that it's a great opportunity for people to, to transfer skills. And, I mean, fly ball creates independence from the dog, so a dog can get more speed going away from the handler, get more distance in agility through fly ball, and the same vice versa. A fly ball dog can get more focus on the obstacles and learn to do the jumps easier than a dog that coming out of nothing 
would have, right? So the value for the obstacles is higher. I think that all the sports really cross over fairly well. So are there any cautions, any places where the cross training can sort of hurt one thing or another that you've found or that would be something just kind of good to know for somebody who wants to try a second sport for the first time? The biggest one I'd say is that you could you could run into issues with dogs doing more primal sports like barn hunt or terrier trials if they have in focus issue already. Mm-hmm. So if your main focus is, is those, you may have an issue going into some other sports where it requires more focus and more attention just because their main sport is literally being independent and right. ignoring the handler. Right. Right. So it just, it's one of those things that if that's my, not my main focus, but in my focus, and I know that my dog has distraction issues, there might be some steps I would take to make those less of an issue. Do you think it's possible to actually, actually compete at really high levels in multiple sports? Like what I think about is just a time restriction for myself. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. To, to be honest, no. I think you can get you can get a dog to be very successful and to do it well, but to actually take the time to be competitive at the same level in two different sports at the same time, it's just it's such a time commitment. Not even the competition aspect, but the training time that it takes. Because even agility, when we're in the off season, I train a lot less and I compete a lot less. So I could transfer focus. But when they're actually doing their main competition season, there's not really time for anything else. Like I, I'm trying to get Pinnacle into a bite, a bite work trial, and there's one weekend open, and that trial is is on that weekend. But my training club trains on the weekends, right? So I have no time to get her into a training club. So I have to do private lessons with a decoy, and then it becomes. Well, when can I get that in? That's maybe once a week. Right. And if I was normally prepping for that with that agility, I'd be going two to three times a week. Well, and then you're, you know, and then you're looking at overtraining potentially, right? Yeah. Like how much are you asking the dog to And do? then if you get an injury, you're hooped on two levels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what I always think about is just, I don't have the time to do more than one sport, really. Yes. I just, to me. The only one that I've sort of been able to do a little bit is barn hunt. And at the time, it was really only because it was 10 minutes from my house. Yeah. I was like, that's the only way I'm going to be able to do it. Right. And more, mostly it was because, at least for the beginning levels, I didn't have to really train. Right. right. Especially for Link. show up. I just show up. He loves it. It's more of an instinct yeah. for him to do. I'm not having to come home and do homework for barn hunt. Yeah. Um, versus agility. Or some of these other more athletic types of sports. Where you need repetition and time. And I mean, and obedience has just like a ton of stuff yeah. that, you know, you need precision on. So I think that that's the And going for thing. one weekend to compete in it is doable. But mm-hmm. it's the, if you have expectations to get to a high level and you know, maybe for obedience, be one of the top dogs in the country or something like that, then it becomes, there's no, there's no time. Right. Right. Yeah. So doing it, but, and doing it well, but expectations for a high level in those two sports is very unlikely, I think. Just and, but there, it's not a limitation on the dog no. or the training. It's, it's just the time. The, it's just the time. There's not even, enough weekends. Right? There's not <laughs> enough weekends. Well, right, because there's a lot of stuff that even if Overlaps. there's, you know, 
retired people willing to do stuff in the middle of the week, you need to have enough people to put yes. the trial on and stuff. Mm -hmm. So typically. Yeah. And then where's I've, your training time? Right, right. <laughs> All that stuff happens on the weekend. So yeah. there's some real just logistical challenges with trying to participate in multiple sports. Because I know yeah. I would like right. to. Oh. You know, I've fractals dealt with several injuries, and so I've kind of wanted him to have a like a retirement sport, like you said, and something to get into a, a little bit before I needed it type of a thing. But then Sprite came along, and I'm spending so much time training her and trying, you know, if it's seminars or whatever, yeah. there's no time and even just barn hunt. I have a place that's only 20 minutes from my house. All the intro classes, yep weekend I'm already doing a trial right it's not so it's not even the money at that point like I would pay the money but yeah. there's just not enough time so that's definitely the it sounds like the big limiting factor more yeah. than anything what are the skills that are similar between sports do you think that kind of you can cross train they work for both or many um well I already mentioned the fly ball one so that's a big one you, you notice a big difference because we encourage a lot of our students to cross over, right? We'll, we'll tell them to go in agility classes and then if their dog's having an issue with something or just really needs a break, we'll encourage them to do something else for a month. Mm -hmm. And often um, a big one will be fly ball because it builds drive uh, and it often teaches them a little more independence, but the agility really helps. We have fly ball classes every once in a while and we usually only let agility dogs in oh. because we have so many students that, mm -hmm. right? Um, but we notice a big difference. We never have to put guides up or anything on the jumps. Because they know that already. And they're different jumps. The dogs have never seen those flyball jumps before. Right. But they already know to take the jumps. So we've never, we've never have to have gutters up. We never have to have people. The dogs just know to go over the jumps. Yeah. So it's, it's such an easy thing for them to cross over to. Sun hurdling as well, kind of same thing. Well, send hurdling and obedience, there's lots of crossover with the dumbbell. Okay, wait. You're going to have to back up and tell me what scent hurdling is because I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so scent hurdling is <laughs> team sport. It's, it's a very small sport. It's been on for a year, like years. I remember doing it as a kid. But basically, it's four jumps. You run against another team, just like flyball. But instead of a flyball box, there's a, a board with four spaces. And you put a different dumbbell in each space for each dog. And each time a dumbbell is picked up, an X gets put down. So they have to basically run up, scent for their specific dumbbell, and then bring it back, and then the next dog goes, and it's a race. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I have not it either. is awesome for retired dogs and dogs who don't quite want you, want, you don't want the impact of a fly ball box, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. you, you maybe don't have a dog who doesn't like picking up a tennis ball or wants to be a little more thoughtful. It's really nice, and the, the speed is not about the dog speed. It's about the scenting speed. Yeah. So my Malinois, if she, like, Radical is terrible at it. She's <laughs> horrible. She's horrible. She loves it because she thinks it's fly ball, but she's horrible because she runs up, and she basically tastes each one. <laughs> and then it's like, it's not that one. It's not that one. It's not that one. And finally picks up hers, but she makes them all smell like her, which is so hard. <laughs> she go last. Yes, she always goes last. <laughs> but she, still at 13, is very fast. 
Mm -hmm. But she is often slower than dogs who are significantly slower than her in the lane. Because she takes so long to scent the dumbbell. (laughs) So there's like little Shelties double striding the jumps. And she's like barking and going crazy and lunging. And she's still half a lane behind. Oh my God. (laughs) These little Shelties because they scent so much faster than she does. That's hilarious. So it's a really fun, fun sport. And the, you know, it's not about the dog speed, which can be really fun for, for people. Yeah. Well, in healing, we kind of talked about healing, that that's something that can be useful for lots of stuff. I'm trying to think what else. Well, and and honestly, I use a lot of stuff like healing to build drive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like a focus. Yes, but it's not a typical thing to build drive in. But the way I teach it, the dogs love healing and it's a great way just we, we transfer, right? So we're doing healing and we'll do quick turns and all this stuff. So it's a great way if they're pre-agility run, we build lots of drive that way, but it's drive and focus. Mm-hmm. Not just, especially with the Malinois, I have to be very careful not to let them watch the run <laughs> before them because then you just get psycho dog. So it's a great way for me to build drive without making them go crazy. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Is there anything yeah. you do differently if you're teaching one sport or another or like... Say, in our case, agility is our primary Mm -hmm. focus, right? Are there any sports you just would not do if you want agility to be your top sport? You have high aims. Like, is there anything like that that you would just say, these don't mix? I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily for a blanket statement because you never know what dog needs what, Mm -hmm. right? One dog might need something that just brings them out of their shell, gives them a little bit of a confidence boost, gives them a mental break every once in a while from doing agility, which can be hard on some dogs, right? Fanatic, for example, when he understands a behavior, he understands it and does it 110%. But until that point, he gets really insecure. So sometimes giving him a break from agility and doing something else helps, but that different sport will be different for every dog, Mm -hmm. right? So some dogs just need a mental break and doing barn hunt for example, can be a great way to do that or doing fast cat or lure coursing, whatever, you know, version of that you guys have here, um, might give the dog a little bit of a confidence booth with people around. Right. So it just kind of depends on what the dog needs. I would say that if their, if their issue is something like distractibility, like we talked about, I probably would avoid things that require them being more independent and more sniffy. But on the other hand, sometimes that helps giving it a place Right, that's right. what I was wondering about. I'm specifically thinking about like barn hunt or nose work. Yeah. And if you, it's kind of like they say, if you put barking on cue, yes. sometimes mm-hmm. you can control it better. Yes. Right, because then they know when they should or shouldn't do it. So yeah. if you can give them that outlet for all of yes. that sniffing, in my opinion, a lot of times the issue for sniffing in agility is not about instinct. It's about them not enjoying what they're doing, yeah. which is a or whole being different issue. Yeah, or, it's a different sort of a deflection type of thing. Right. Well, I do know that if you have a high level scent work dog and you are running that dog and you are not their primary, they're not their yeah. owner, their <laughs> owner should not try and hide somewhere in the building <laughs> yeah, <hopefully laughs> because <not> their <laughs> very high level scent work dog will find them <laughs> and leave the ring to say hi. <laughs> that was funny that day. <laughs> How do you know that, Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> Might have happened to me at a trial in the middle of a steeplechase run oh, no. on the top of an A-frame. What do I smell? Left the ring, and I look around the corner home. There's mom. I didn't know she was there, but the dog sure did. 
That was a good one. Well, is there anything else you think people should know about doing multiple sports with their dogs? Have fun. To be honest, a big part of reason, like a, a big reason why we suggest people do cross training is not so much for the dog as it is for the person. If you get frustrated or you get stuck with something, sometimes it just helps to take a break. And not for the dog, but for the person. So you stop putting pressure on yourself and you yeah. just say, like, let's forget what we're doing, do something else, and then come back to this. And the dog usually has no issues when you come back because there's less stress, less focus on it. Mm. I like that a lot. I think that's a great place to end. Well, thank you very much for being here and chatting with us today. I, I think that's a really interesting topic. Thank you to Rebecca for asking it. Yes. If any of you have other questions you'd like us to address, please do send us a note. Yeah, and we do have a plan to talk to Kirsten a little bit more about another topic. So we hope you'll join us for that episode. So that's all for today's episode. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast so you can join us for our next episode. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or by visiting our website at www.caninehijinks.com. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to go out and have some fun with your dogs. Talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.